It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. We are on the air. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. Good evening, ladies. Good evening, Cheryl. Good evening, Karen. Good evening. Hello. Hello. And how are we how are we to do the abu da baba do? Well, I feel like I I feel like Cheryl. Cheryl, how are you? What are you how are you this week? What was it that she was last week? I was last week I was Fat, well, no. You were fancy, fancy. And, and this week I think she's probably fresh. I, yes, I'm, fresh, I'm fresh, and, sli- and slightly twitchy. Yeah, twitchy. Twi- slightly eye twitchy. I'm twitch yeah. tonight, guys. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> well, stress will do that to you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, shoot, Cheryl. Oh yeah, shoot, it's Cheryl. All, it's all good. It's all good. Or as my mother th- would say, "Oh shoot, oh dear." She would say, "Oh shoot, oh dear." Yes, yeah, sadly, that is what my mother would oh, shoot, say. Oh, shoot the deer? Or just, oh, shoot? No, oh, oh shoot, oh, deer. Okay, just checking. Hello, listeners, too, by the way. I always forget to say hello to the listeners, so if there's anyone out there listening, hello. hello. I posted a little special photo for you guys in Spice. OMG. <laughs> I found that today. I, 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 excuse me, but I, I will be right back. I have to go to the facilities. <laughs> Who is that? That's me. Shut the... Chad, Uh-oh. Chad, Chad, get over here. Can I show it to Chad? Uh, it's, it's, yes, so it's it's a Karen. picture for those of you in chat. It's a oh, picture of me doing dips on two Marines, that. on the shoulders uh, of two I'm, Marines. I'm in shock. Back right when there. I was a bodybuilder. OMG. Wow, you, you really, Lord. yeah, that, you were like worked Girl. out. Look at those muscles. Well, yes, that's what a bodybuilder does. <laughs> you think Holy I was crap. lying all those years? Holy no, crap. I didn't. I, so I, I found that today because I was digging, um, I was looking for some pictures for this class we're doing um, to have people try and read pictures. And I came across that. And I thought, oh, my God, that is actually one of the guys is um, reminds me of Chad. His name is Norm and he's my best friend and former roommate's husband. Um, oh. And yeah, he reminds me of Chad because he's oh. from Ohio. Uh, there's just he's about the same height and similar appearance. And but he was a Marine. Are you talking about the guy on the right? <laughs> Uh, the guy on the right. On the right. Yeah, okay. He does. Yeah, he does. looks a little bit yeah. like Chad. Yeah, he looks just like you, buddy. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. And so I always think of Chad. I always, I actually, when I, because I, Michelle lives in Ohio, so I haven't seen her in a long time. And uh-huh. I don't see you in Chad. So I sort of mix Chad and Norm up in my <laughs> mind sometimes because they're very similar. Wow. Well, they do look in the face <laughs> similar. I don't know about true. actions, but. Yeah. No, I don't think wow. necessarily the actions are, but but definitely looks. So yeah. Anyway, hey, uh, I, yeah. Sorry, I, no, I didn't. I got no, distracted. Woo. Okay. Moving on. Um, yes, we have a <laughs> wonderful <laughs> we have a wonderful guest tonight. The horror author Chad Shimke uh, will yeah. be on to talk about his books in writing and such. You know, it's funny too. Usually, I can find stuff about people, like you know, like where, where they were kind of born and oh, you know the big background stuff i couldn't i couldn't I, I couldn't stalk him i don't understand well, why that's good it's a mystery and you'll just be more authentic <laughs> darn meddling kids all right meddling well. kids. darn meddling kids it's a mystery 
Well, right. we'll just figure that. We'll just figure it out. So, anyways, um, is there anything else you'd like to share besides uh, these wonderful photos uh, that you're sending me? <laughs> I didn't send it to you to, to like have you do that. I just or, think it's hilarious because I'm using two guys uh, in dress blues to do. Dips. Okay, I'm all right now. I was working okay. my triceps out. That was my done with my. It's pretty impressive, actually. If you guys could see this that picture. Was, that was my gym equipment, but maybe yeah. I'll put it on my Facebook. Post it on Facebook, it yes. <laughs> uh, picture. Oh, it is Throwback Thursday. <gasps> oh, oh. Well, there you go. Oh, so uh, other than that, um, I'm I signed. I stepped out of my comfort zone. Chuck and I have been challenging each other to step out of our comfort zones, okay. and we've decided that that my comfort zone is probably a little wider than most people's because I'm uh, I, I I like to try new things, but uh, socially sometimes my comfort zone is narrow. So I signed up to take a tribal belly dancing class. <laughs> yeah, Whee! but you won't do pictures or video. I want to see the. I want to see you in action. No, man. no, no, no. <laughs> I am not a graceful woman. Okay. No, You've okay. seen me. I trip over things. I've seen you. Remember, trip over I, I walk into walls and stuff. I'm very. I'm seen very physically awkward. Uh -huh. Walk down the street and boop, boop. I'm like, what yeah. happened? Nothing. I'm like, I'm oh, fine. Okay. I'm okay. I look around, going, oh my god, I'm gonna fall. Oh, there's nothing there, and I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. Why is she tripping? So um, no, it's it's amazing that I haven't flattened monkey with how much I carry her around and how much I trip on things. But I'm really good at regaining my balance when I trip and not actually going all the way down. So. Monkey be taken out. That'd be it. She's too tiny. Mm -hmm. She's pretty little. <laughs> well, no, me, I'm just. I mean, I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing a crystal class. Uh, crystal. Yeah. Learn about like the. You're taking properties. one, not teaching one. Yes. I'm not. Yeah. I'm taking. Yes. Um. Going to learn some stuff about uh, crystals or healing properties and. Uh, you know, uh, I was going to say lotions because I'm looking I at the picture. Sorry. Essential oils. Essential oils. Yes. So, yes, um, interesting. Books about both of those things. I know. So, I like your yeah. book. I, I use your book quite a lot uh, when I'm going into. Mm -hmm. I don't understand this. I look and it's kind of like my little reference guide. But this will be yeah. interesting to do something live to see. You know. Yeah. You know, and mi mix mix it up with some like-minded people. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, Other than that, um, I've got to say it is hotter than Hades up here in my little office today. I didn't think it was that hot when I came up, but as I'm sitting here, I'm feeling a little warm. I'm glad I'm not just, working out or something. I know. Too. I just turned the fan. That's why I had to run because it's like way too like stagnant here. So now I'm I'm good. I'm good now. So yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, Cheryl. Um, yeah. I, I suppose we could do that. It's that time. Please. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder. It's time for news of the strange. <laughs> all righty, so all right. Um, there's a. This is. I always pick these articles where it has like they're from Japan and there's all these crazy verbiage. So I'm just going to do the best I can. I don't know why, but this one was interesting. It had to do with uh, seismic clusters. Where is Japan? That's the title. Okay, so it's got the earthquakes. And Cheryl, you would understand because you're from you know California. So okay, oh, yeah. so. All right, so here's what's going on. Seismic activity in southern Japan is mystifying geologists and keeping the nation on edge. The island of Kyushu has been struck by a significant series of earthquakes, with the epicenters moving progressively further inland. The cluster started with the deadly earthquakes that hit Kumamoto Prefecture last Thursday and Saturday. Tremors subsequently rocked the Mount Aso region and neighboring Oada Prefecture. 
There is a known concentration of faults in the area. Still, experts say it is highly unusual to have a string of earthquakes measuring around the magnitude of six and stretching over such a vast area. Um, uh, the professor of Kyoto University Research Center for Earthquake Prediction says, I quite don't quite understand what is happening to recent earthquakes because it's an unfamiliar phenomenon. The Japan Meteorological Agency said it's unprecedented to have a group of large quakes in these parts of the area. Experts are divided over how far the shake will spread and whether it could prompt more quakes centering elsewhere. Okay. A number of faults, uh, uh, concentration of faults, increase the chance of what they call earthquake swarms, which I've never heard of this. When one fault shifts causing an earthquake, it can add to the strain on other faults, triggering more tremors. The yes. government's Earthquake Research Committee attributed the magnitude 6.4 quake that hit Kumamoto last Thursday evening to a shift in the northern part of the Higatu Fault Zone. The magnitude 7.3 quake that struck in the wee hours of Saturday morning occurred in uh, the Fuaga, uh, Fu, Futaguaga, I can't, oh my God, Futaguada fault line, which runs just north of the, the zone. Um, the government committee met on Saturday and agreed that the uh, zone was the culprit in the main quakes. This zone, it turns out, is longer than previously thought and stretches close to the Mount Asio's caldera. The committee warned local residents to brace for more aftershocks. So it looks like it's just it's ongoing. It's like going and going and going. So it's like yeah, I, have you, you've heard of swarms before? I never heard of earthquake that swarms. Before. Sure, yeah. Okay, absolutely. I mean, I mean I've known of. Of having an earthquake and then having tremors afterwards, you know, like a, what, what do they call those? When it, is this another earthquake or is it aftershocks? There a, thank you, aftershocks. So um, I found that to be pretty interesting. So it's like, I'm glad I don't live in Japan right now. You're My. not actually from earthquake country. Cheryl and I have lived through a few earthquakes in our time and apparently in my past lives as well. So, you know. We had actually one in Illinois when I lived in my house years like ago. Like a 2.2 or something? Yeah, something. And it shook. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny because it shook like the mirrors and the wall. And I like, think oh, our last one here was like a 7 or an 8. See, I, mean, I don't it know. Some, it's like something ridiculous. It the house and it was like, oh, it's just a truck going by. And then we found out later it was like some small earthquake. Oh, they gonna... thought it was a truck going by. How cute is that, Cheryl? That's so cute. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot for being here. We don't okay. get them as often up here. Uh, we don't get the big ones as, as often up here as uh -huh. California does. But when we get a big one, we get a big one. So yeah, and and you know we have minor ones fairly regularly as well. I've never, I've never had a big one. So um, oh, anyways, I'm so sorry to hear that. Perhaps that's a personal problem. <laughs> okay, this one cracked me up because the visual of these three. Um, Chinese police guys ripping the Ronald McDonald statue off its base just made me laugh. Ronald McDonald sculpture arrested in China. That is correct. In the late, in the latest example of Chinese police running amok, we bring you a breaking crime alert. If you were to tell you that a famed McDonald's character was arrested, you'd probably guess uh, the hamburger. He does wear a convict's outfit after all. We also would have accepted Grimace as a responsible because he strikes I would us have as gone with I would have gone with yeah. Grimace because he yeah. seems like a crook. Yeah. yeah, He's the type of guy that would hang out in the bushes peeping at women. However, providing the greatest evidence that you need to keep an eye on this quiet one's jovial Ronald McDonald found himself in police custody earlier this week. The famed Golden Arches are missing their companion at one of the restaurant's locations in China. Three police officers from the Urban Management Bureau, known as Chichangguan, showed up at the restaurant in the middle of the afternoon on Monday. In front of many curious spectators, they began to assault the statue of Ronald McDonald. When asked what they were doing, the officers yelled that they were enforcing an order from the city government that everyone needed to stand back. The situation escalated when Ronald resisted arrest. 
When Ronald Stetcher did not quickly rock free from space, the officers decided to tackle it. Two of the three officers... Wait, 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 wait. We're talking about a statue. Yes, we're talking about a statue. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I I didn't miss something. No, no, no. Two of the three officers took turns shouldering the statue until he finally began to topple. After Ronald's ankles were broken, it was easy for the law enforcement officials to drag away their suspect. When images of the arrest began making way around China social media platform, officials at the District Urban Management Office explained their reasoning. The sculpture was illegally located outside of the restaurant and had been described as both an eyesore and a trip hazard by pedestrians. That same official, who asked to remain anonymous, stated that McDonald's can have its Ronald McDonald statue back if the restaurant admits that it was in violation of the law and accepts all the financial punishment. And the final visual to all this was a picture showing just Ronald's red little shoes still connected to the base of the statue, broken off right at the ankles. Oh, you know what? It's like um, the Saddam statue. Mm Mm-hmm. Remember the Saddam I, statue? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, I didn't I didn't they kind? Of, but I don't think they actually were supposed to re- arrest the statue. I think it was more of a celebratory thing. They, they were rocking that sucker. They were, go- and then it broke it off. And oh my! God. All right, so seriously. Can I, uh, can I say a, that I've always found Ronald McDonald just a little on the creepy side? <laughs> well, you're afraid of clowns, you aren't say. you? Yeah. I am not comfortable with clowns. <laughs> Well, I, I, what I don't understand is how can it be a trip hazard? It's a giant statue of a red clown. How can you trip over a giant statue of a red clown? Well, Seriously? no, he has big red clown feet and he has that weird red hair, but he's wearing well, yellow. Well, yeah, the they'll trip M over it now. Well, they'll trip over now. Weird, he's wearing that weird jumpsuit thing. Well, yeah, but now it's just a base with the shoes sitting there. So now they're definitely going to flip and break their necks over the thing now because the statue's not in the way to stop them. I don't understand. That's just crazy uh-huh. talk. Well, you know what? I just want to live in China because it's so kooky. All right, last one. Travel, time traveler, Mongolian mummy wearing Adidas shoes. That is correct. This comes from Metro.com.uk and I actually saw the picture and it does look like Adidas shoes on the mummy. And what is surely conclusive proof of time travel, a 15-year-old mummy has been found rocking a pair of Adidas shoes, possibly. Archaeologists discovered their partial remains of a female thought to have died over a millennium ago in nearly 10,000 feet high in the Mongolian's Altai Mountains. Only the mummy's hands and feet have been found, but it is all that some needed to feel confident that time travel is possible. Their feet appeared to be in a pair of trainers with the iconic three-stripe logo of the German sportswear brand's Adidas. The mummy had on some Adidas in the first pick. The experts, we don't need to tell you, have reacted to such suggestions with raised eyebrows and sighs, but nevertheless find the discovery just as exciting. They say it is one of the most unique insights they've had into Mongolian life of that time. This person was not from the elite, and we believe it is most likely a woman because there's no bow in the tomb, a researcher at the Siberian, uh, sorry, at the Kovov Museum told the Siberian Times. Now we are carefully unwrapping the body, and once the, this is complete, the specialist will be able to say more precisely, you know, the gender. He also added that it was the first time uh, Turek burial, at least in Mongolia, and this is a very rare phenomenon. The grave was three meters deep. The find shows us that these people are very skilled craftsmen. And I saw the picture, and if you go to um, the site, which was metro.com.uk, you can actually see the feet of it, and it does look like it does look like gym shoes with the three stripes on it. 
So I'm going. I'm. Uh, it says Safari I know you are. Find, Safari can't find the oh, server. Oh, and if you and if you want to go to see Ronald McDonald being uh, accosted, just go to WeirdAsianNews.com also because that's where you can see the three guys accosting poor it's Ronald. Metro.co.uk. No one. Yes. I'm sorry. Did I say .com? I'm sorry. Um, right. Yeah, I'm not seeing it, but that's okay. That's right. Just put Adidas Mummy or a Mongolian Mummy. It should come up. But anyways, that is the news for this evening in the world of the weird and the strange and the odd. and The, the Adidas the Mummy. I love that. There you go. See, look at the shoes. Come on. Hang on. Hang on. I, All right. Oh, Drum roll. It's, this is a joke. Somebody played a joke. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, come on, really? It also Photo- looks like it's it Photoshop? also looks like it's wearing jeans. That's that's impossible Photoshop these days. I don't I don't see how that's even possible. I don't right? understand. I, mm-hmm. I no, if only if only we could easily and quickly alter <laughs> photos. Somehow. I just had to somehow. Say it, though. It's so funny. It's like I'm looking at it going, Whoa, he's rocking the Adidas. Nice. You go girl. But anyways, the funniest one was for me. Oh my god, so this this I'm looking at this, it's actually I'm looking at it on iflscience.com. And the caption to the picture is fresh to death. Wow. (laughs) There you go, folks. I I love it. It makes it it makes its own gravy. Come on, you gotta go to the other one too. Go check out Mr. Ronald being accosted. It's really good. Weirdasiannews.com. You can see the three guys just belt just pulling that thing over. And then it shows a picture of the base with just the shoes. It's really sad. It's What's this world coming a, to? Suspected, a suspected malware site, so I'm not going to do that. Oh, all right. We don't want to do that then. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was the news for this evening. I hope you enjoyed it. Statue arrested. We'll just look for that. I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> Poor Ronald. What the heck is wrong with them people? I don't oh, know. Well, yes. It's at all sorts of other places, too. You need it's to just... watch Bizarre video of Ronald McDonald's statue being arrested. Mm-hmm. And but, I know. intend to. I intend to because I like to be amused by things. Oh, you know, the guy's just trying to spread some love with some hamburgers and some fries, and this is what he gets for it. Really? That's sad. Oh, you know, every parade I go to, that guy is on a scooter yelling a hello at the crowd, frightening children everywhere. I have, You know what's funny? I haven't seen Grimace or the Hamburglar. I haven't seen any of those characters in a long time. Well, McDonald's has tried to kind of move away from that, and they're trying to, you know, they've had trouble competing in the marketplace, um, gotcha. just with people's push towards healthier foods and things, and so they've they've really had to revamp their image a lot. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's all right. I like I like. But some Ronald McDonald good. still gets out in his. He, I think he yes, needs he an does. update in his look, though. I think, think so? that um, the yellow jumpsuit is just it's not super styling. That's true. They could. Oh, that's. Maybe we should send it in. They could just modernize Ronald and be looking all fine. That's right. He needs he needs to be freshened up a little bit. There you go. So I mean that's that's really all I got for the news this evening. But you know, it is. Oh, those were some doozies. Why? Thank you. Yeah, the earthquake stuff's kind of creepy for me because I, like I said, I, you know, like you guys, you're just, oh yeah, earthquake, whatever, you know, grab my coffee. We just, that's like, we, we just hop in the saddle and ride it like it's a Bronco. I'd just be running around screaming, going, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, the world is ending. That's what I'd be doing. Well, the last big (laughs) one we had was, I think, like in 2001 or something. So we're overdue for a big earthquake again. It's been about 15 years out, out here. And, um, my, I was working at a company up in, in north of Seattle when it happened, and my boss was this really funny lady um, who, I mean, like funny in the head a little bit, 
Um, very sweet, but she, she, I was standing in the doorway because it was a very long earthquake. It went on for a long time and I was standing in the doorway and she was hiding under her desk, but her butt was hanging out from under the desk. And she kept saying, get under the desk. You don't, you're not safe in the doorway. I said, I'm fine in the doorway. I said, not only that, but if the roof caves in, you're the one who's gone. Your butt's hanging out from under the desk. Woman's butt smushed in an earthquake. And then, and then after it was, and then after it was over, um, she wouldn't come out from under her desk. I had to go get her husband to get her out. Seriously, really? She was, yeah, was she all yeah. freaked out? It's over. It was a, it was a long, big earthquake. It was, it was a very, uh, it was, it was a little disconcerting. I think it was like a seven point one, seven point two, or something like that. It was a pretty good size earthquake. That's pretty good size, right? Um, so I have to ask a question. So with earthquakes, do like do you start really hearing the animals howling before it's coming? I mean, does that really happen? Uh, my, they don't howl, but they do. Um, yeah, it was in two thousand and one. They don't howl, but they act funny, like they get a little hyper and a little jumpy and things like that. Uh, I've noticed that with my pets. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's. A, I guess it was just a six point eight. They originally told us it was like a seven something, but then they downgraded it to. A well, 6. I mean, seven is huge, right? I mean, I don't know numbers, so yeah, I mean, seven because it's one. every for every point. Cheryl may have to correct me here, but I think it's for every point one that it um, magnitude it goes up, it actually doubles. Uh, it, it's exponential. So, so like a one, a one point one, something like that. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> the Run off. What's the what's the earthquake thing? My, uh, the uh, oh geez. Richter, Richter, Chad got it. Richter, Richter. Richter scale. Sorry. Yeah, Richter but scale. but so for for every point one, it goes up. It actually um, squares it, so it doubles the it doubles the intensity of it. Is I think how it works. Wow. So, like a seven point one would be mm-hmm. big. A seven point two would be like double seven point one or something. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, what's I mean, what's the biggest? Since what's the biggest either one of you have run into? I mean, size. Do you know? I mean, uh, is there like me a was twelve? The six point eight was the biggest one I was in. Okay, I'm Cheryl. Trying, I'm trying do you know to, what you're... I'm trying to figure out if Northridge or Whittier. See. Whittier was closer to me than Northridge, but Northridge, I literally thought it was the big one because it felt okay. like my apartment building was going to fall down, and I was all all the way in um, really? Cyprus, which is nowhere my near God. Northridge. So yeah. it was far away, but it literally felt strong. But Whittier and it was, was it was ten to twenty too. seconds, so it was a pretty good pretty good, remember. and it was a six point seven. Northridge was a six point seven. Six. Oh, so then when they're saying seven point whatever, that's pretty significant then. Yeah, yeah, well, Nisqually, Nisqually yeah. was a six point eight, so it was, uh, and it was a, it went on for a long time. Like, I can't even remember. I was looking to see if they mentioned the duration on Wikipedia, but they, they don't seem to. There was a bigger right, one so, when I was a kid, but I, I think it might have been Silmar or, or, or something like that. I can't remember the name of the city, but it was like really big. I think bigger than. Whittier or Northridge, but I, I can't really remember. Um. Oh, and then I actually was um, in San Francisco the day before the Loma Prieta oh. earthquake. Oh, okay. And I actually, I said to my husband, um, we need to go. There's going to be an earthquake. And we left and we missed the earthquake by hours. Wow. So you knew it was coming then. That's crazy. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> That is crazy. They are scary, so, though. That's for sure. 
So they are disconcerting. Well, before we go to break, I want to ask: Have we decided what we're doing for our 300th yet? Are we just are we bring? Have we not like nailed something down yet, or are we just kind of throwing things out still? Haven't locked that down. We haven't locked that down yet. Like you know, bringing uh, well, I listeners think what on. We're ta- I, yeah, I think we're talking about. Uh, we'd like to hear from Ooh. our listeners, and yes. um, you know, they can email Cheryl. Yeah. And if you want to come on and talk to us, we'll schedule a time you can come on and talk to us. If you'd like us to bring somebody on, let Cheryl know that. Um, you know, please let's, and, and how do they email? Let's make it. It's all about you. What's the email? Editor at paranormalunderground.net. Uh, there you go, folks. Come on, email it in. We got some people on the air. Yeah. We can maybe the. You know what? We should just get like the listeners to do the show. We could be the guests. How's that? Mm-hmm. They could be like oh. the hosts, and then we could be the guests. Mm. Just flip it around and see how they like it. See if they want to do it. That'd be kind of cool, huh? There you go. Yeah. Just another idea. Just another crazy idea from Chuck. Crazy okay. ideas from Chuck. That's like a radio segment. That's like a little crazy. <laughs> it is time for crazy ideas by Chuck. Yeah. Okay, today we're gonna wear our underwear on our heads and we're gonna run around in circles. Ready? Go. Oh no, thank you. Well, you know, it's thought. You know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. <laughs> throwing stuff out there. Nobody so. wants to see that. <laughs> You <laughs> want me running around my underwear on my head? Any uh, of us, really? It'll be, it'll be entertaining. It'll be entertaining, at least you know, at least entertaining. I would think, but you know, yeah, Patty says the Nisqually quake was twenty-five miles underground, and it was a rolling quake. What's a rolling quake? What is that? I don't. I. It, it's the way the ground moves. Oh, you know, like like tremors, like in the movie Tremors, where it goes <laughs> like that. It was creepy. pretty. It was pretty bucky. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you felt like you were gonna get bucked off the earth for a few minutes. Yeah. It oh, was... I would. I'd be crying. I'd be in the corner crying somewhere like a little baby. I would. Because <laughs> where were you gonna not. go? Where were you gonna go? You know. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just sort of? You know, most earthquakes. That's the only earthquake I've ever been in where I've actually gotten under something. Um, because a lot of them have been quick. There was one when Tanner was like about two. And, I mean, seriously, I had time to run across the room, scoop him up, and it was over. Oh, that was so. that quick. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, yeah. in the movies, I just run to uh, this is This is one of the reasons I actually get on a plane. Jump on the plane and get off the ground. I've seen it in the movies. You get off the ground, and then you're not in the earthquake. You're in the air. Right? That would be good. Well, if you get in the air before the yeah, earthquake. Well, wait a minute. Right. You have to take off. You have to have you know? more knowledge that the earthquake is coming <laughs> to take off. I just so. thought about that. Well, you know, but if you have the rock handling it, then, you know, <laughs> good. You know. I think I've <laughs> been watching too many action movies. That's all I'm going to suggest. <laughs> well, you know. It all right. Been... It's it's break time. All right, fine. Let's do this. We'll go to break. Uh, we'll come back and talk to Chad Shimke. Stick around. You're p- listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, investigating the haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. 
I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. My name is Daryl E. Berry, Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density, a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back on MixLR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. And now... We're going to bring on our wonderful, wonderful guest, Mr. Horror author and cookie addict, Please, Chad please, you, you have to be careful. You, uh. Please enunciate your syllables. Rick used to do the same thing. Horror. You oh. called him a horror. You called him a horror author, and I just kind of no, feel bad for the guy. No, you don't know. We could be going there tonight. We just never know, folks. Did I read that wrong? I'm sorry. I, I prepped for the That's wrong show. No, it's okay. Well, you're a belly dancer. You'll understand. Okay. I so anyway. am not yet. All righty. So, hi, Chad. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, thanks, for, <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. Feeling that way. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> no problem. So, all right. So, since I can't uh, evidently stalk you properly on the internet, but I do I want to we get talking, to... We were talking about your uh, less than spectacular internet research skills. Yeah, I don't think that he could be on, like, Catfish, where they have to research people. I don't think... I think he'd be like, well, nope, they don't have a Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Must be the real guy. Tonight is Bash Chucky e. Jean. That's what it is. 
All right, I see what's going on. Okay. So, so I wait, I have a question first because yes. I just kind of scrolled through your blog in doing doing my my last second yeah. research to prove Chuck this information, Whatever. and I noticed that on your blog you have like some like Stephen King books and things like that. So uh, a, a fellow horror author. Yeah. Uh, do, do you like Stephen King? Do you read Stephen King? I do love Stephen King, and actually, um, one of my first four inspirations um, was Stephen King. Um, okay. I really, you know, um, like as a child of the 80s, um, you know, I, I uh, grew up in a, a pretty rural area, so the thing I love about horror then is the thing I love about horror today is I like to, you know, have a, have a scary story. Um, I like to kind of, you know, curl up with the book and a book or story that works for me is the one that, you know, ideally gives me um, chills, is spooky, mm -hmm. is scary, is, um, you know, takes risks, is bold, is, you know, it's the type of story that um, the horror writer writes and, you know, isn't afraid to kind of shy away from any of that. Um, yeah. That is, that's what initially thrilled me with the genre. And I am kind of just still to this day really obsessed with good horror fiction. I'm still obsessed with a good horror movie. Um, I love a good horror audiobook. I love a good horror radio play. So really, like, yeah. that's kind of my, my first love in fiction. And mm -hmm. to this day, that still resonates for me. That still is, that's where I'm at, you know? So let's talk about horror movies because... Um I don't think they do them very well. I think that it's very seldom to find a good horror movie. So what are some examples now? I But I do think some of the old, old horror movies like uh, Vincent Price and The Pit and the Pendulum, things like that, were, were good, scary movies, or at least they were when I watched them when I was seven. Um, you know, so what what makes a good horror movie? And what do you think is a good example of the genre? You know, you're totally right. I think that um, uh, there was a, there were a lot of groundbreaking horror movies uh, made in the 80s, actually. So um, I'm thinking of even you know Scream. I'm thinking of um, you know the whole the whole Freddy Krueger franchise. I'm thinking of uh, you know uh, the first Halloween um, made on made on budgets of you know next to nothing, but what. You know, so kind of the, the minimal use of the special effects and really needing a really good storyline and a good script to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, then, pro then produced horror movies that um, really the, the, you know, the writing and the acting had to be there and had to be inventive. And, you know, kind of also like backed up, backed off on the production a little bit. I mean, and what you see now is you see, you know, over-release again and again and again of the same horror titles. Yeah. You know, not that not that kind of each time it doesn't get improved a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of like, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the chainsaw on the leather face and that sort of thing. Yeah. And does better with the special effects and they are scary and I do like them, but I kind of always, for me, go back to those, those classics. So when I write something, I'm also trying to replicate that feeling. I'm trying to kind of get into that, you know, um, that that kind of 80s, like, scare fest mode, splasher mm -hmm. mode, um, and good horror movies today. You know, there are some good horror movies today. Um, one that I really liked is um, I liked the, some of the movies of Eli Roth um, as a director. 
And um, one of them I really enjoyed was um, Hostile, because in Hostile there's a scenario where the main character is really put in a situation where he's in a lot of trouble, and you know something terrible is going to happen. You don't exactly kind of know. I mean, um, you know, with me, I tend to, like, really want to watch the same horror movie over and over again. So obviously, you know, on the second viewing, it's not the same. But on the first viewing, you know he's in trouble. You know something really kind of gruesome is going to happen. Um, he has to kind of fight his way out of the whole situation, and then and then there's sort of you know danger happens all along the way. In the end, he's kind of triumphant and he, he gets out of the situation just barely. You know he's a mess. He's bloodied. He's injured. You know he's like literally limping and crawling away from the situation. You know, and I really liked that a lot. And then I actually <laughs> liked in the second movie where they like just chopped his head off literally within the first minute and a half. So I think you think some of the Eli Roth films were really successful in that regard. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, the 80s horror movie that I remember that scared the crap out of me was um, Phantasm. And oh. I think it was the, the, I think, I don't know if it was the whole movie or just the ending when the guy comes oh, out of the movie chair. Was, Boy. That movie was oh. freaky. That movie was, that's like one of my favorites with the ball and the, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's a tall man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Angus Grimm. That was, a, that was a terrifying movie. Yeah. So, so we're talking about movies, and you say you, you know you you kind of base a lot of the stuff because you like Stephen King. What other writers in the horror genre do you like? Because I have a lot of favorites myself. What other what other ones do you like? Oh boy, I, I have so many. I mean, I hesitate. And these these shows always go so fast. It seems like kind of we start and then it's over. Um, another standout for me is um, Anne Rice. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I live in San Francisco and. Part of Interview of the Vampire, well, it's, it definitely begins in San Francisco. Um, it takes place somewhat in, like, New Orleans. It takes, some, take, takes place somewhat also, like, in Paris. Um, but they end up back here. And um, I, you know, I think kind of vampires have been done to death. I really sort of don't do anything with vampires myself. Um, I do like a good Especially vampire Especially sparkly vampires. You know, Especially, yeah, I mean, I yeah. mean... I guess that's okay. That's not scary to me. That's like more like romance. Yeah. And I, you know, r- romance is fine. I'm, you know, I'm not going to shy away from that either. But um, especially in horror, because I kind of do. I do both um, thriller and horror. And I guess in a thriller, I maybe more tend to um, add in some romantic elements. But um, with Interview with the Vampire, um, I just I really like how uh, it, you know again it sets up with the premise. And it kind of explores this whole um, kind of subculture and underground of the way that Anne Rice, you know, sets up the world with the vampires and all the characters. Um, And then I think the second interview with the vampire movie compared to the book was not nearly successful at all. It really kind of fell flat for me. Uh, But really in books one, two, and three, and I think I stopped there, um, she was really fully fully able to realize, um, you know, the vampires themselves as characters um, like their beginnings, kind of the, the myths and legends and folklore of, of vampires. So I really like that, too. I like it when an author, um, you know, can take, and there's, there's a lot of horrifying elements in that, but um, it's really like kind of a, a you know, fully realized, um, you know, book one, book two, book three, it kind of follows that through. So I think she's, you know, really skillful as a writer also. She's another standout for me. Well, and she did a lot of, I mean, even though it was set in the world that we live in, I feel like she had to do a lot of universe building in her book 
to make yeah. it all fit seamlessly. So in your books, do you do you do that? Do you do universe building or do you sort of, um, is it within the realm of the world that we live in? Well, the projects that I've been working on for the last couple of years is um, I have a nearly completed collection all written by me, so not an anthology, a short story collection. And I have prepared about, I want to say, 11 um, short stories, and they're all, they all uh, are on a single, it's a unified theme, so it's a single theme. Um, what I do is I take the theme and I try and think um, what is kind of the most, so one example is um, uh, a woman who is desperate to have a baby. She does all these crazy and horrible things to have a baby. Um, the friends of mine that have read it said, you know, really, they, they get the sense of this woman as she's kind of descending into madness all the way through to the end of the end of it. And she does all these desperate things to have a baby. Um, and then at the end, I'm not going to give the ending away. But um, so, so that's what I try and do. I try and take um, the horror idea and I mm -hmm. try and think about how can I do this that's, you know, going to be the most startling, the most shocking, the most scary, you know, how can I really bring, like, a, a thrill and a chill to the reader, you know? Uh -huh. So mm -hmm. that's sort of how I do short stories, but really in a, like, in my, my thriller novel, um, it's, it is much more of a world. Um, it's, you know, it's a long book. It's about 70,000 words, and it's following one character's odyssey through her sister's murdered, and then through the whole rest of the book, um, it's, it's interplaying of sort of, the, you know, the hero, the sister who's trying to figure out who killed her sister, and then also seeing through the eyes of the killer what, are, what is all the things he, he's done. And then at the very end of the book, they come together. And, like, again, I'm not going to give away the ending, ending to that, but um, really the horrible things that the killer has done and all of the ways that the heroine... Um, you know, has to try and find him and stop him because she realizes at some point now he's actually after her too. So she has mm -hmm. to do everything she can to save herself. So do you, uh, so I like when I read, when I read books or when I read stories, um, I really like character buildup. Like, you know, I really want to get into the, the character and the, in the actual, uh, feel of you the like, whole situation. You like character-driven stories as opposed yes. to plot-driven stories. Yeah, I like uh, character. I, I like character build-up because I want to know the yeah. characters before we put them in the situation. Because then it means right. so much more when they're in that situation. That's like well, I the like movies are that are higher. Yeah, yeah and I like the way better. movies are when they're slow. You know, like because I like a lot of John Saul, Dean Arcoons, you know, R.L. Stein kind of stuff too. Because I, right. I do love Stephen King, of course, but I do. I like that the way they don't give a lot. At the beginning, you know, you just, it's just sort of like a John Carpenter film, you know, he doesn't show you a lot. He doesn't give you a lot. It's a slow build to get to where you need to go. You know what I mean? Do you, do you feel the same way or? Oh, absolutely. I think that the first, and I think, you know, Stephen King has said something along these same lines is that you, so you have to set up for, you know, the character to have a connection with, to be believable with, to care about that character at mm -hmm. the end of the story, if you're going to kill them off, the reader's not going to care if they don't have any. If you haven't been able to kind of um, materialize any connection between mm -hmm. the reader and the character in the story, then they're going to get to the end and they're going to be like, so what? You know, that's just kind of right. something that happened. Yeah, so well, I find I a lot. Really, I, 
I really strive to, and I really, and that's also why um, I'm such a big fan of um, Third Person Limited when I write. So mm -hmm. Third Person Limited, even if I'm even if I'm switching between points of view, which in a lot of things I don't, but like in my novel, I did do that because I needed to show the hero and the villain, and I needed to be able to get into the villain's head. Right. And I needed the the reader, and you know, so that's some of the feedback I've gotten is in the the pieces that they've read um, that it's so chilling because most often in uh, a book like that, um, it's not seen through the eyes of the killer, and so you know, there's right. sort of all these horrible things that happen. But in my book, you're actually going to see through his eyes why is he, you know, and it, that took a lot of work actually. That took a lot of what? work to get inside his head and make all of these things he was doing be just even, you know, believable at all because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess some horrible things happen in this world, but that's really what I wanted to explore. And also on the other side of my, uh, my hero, um, you know, she's a very, you know, flawed person, and she doesn't know, kind of through her whole life and very late in life, she finds out that her mother is not who she thought she was. So she's kind of like betrayed and has, and the title of the novel is Secrets. And um, she just finds out there's, so in this book, there's layers and layers and layers of secrets, which all the characters are kind of, you know, so that's a recurring theme. All the characters are working with that. And, um, you know, and so really that's the way I do really think. When I can get inside a character's head and when I can really uh, myself, like, you know, put myself in there, that's when the writing is strongest and that's when it comes the best. And that's really my goal. So kind of beyond the scare you know, the, the um the scary surprise or the scary thing that happens, I really do want to get inside the character's head. Well and one of the things I like about um fiction writing in the last probably twenty years or so, that's uh where point of view used to be very important in that you would write a novel and it would be from one specific point of view, whether it was third person or first person or whatever, and that would be it. But I've noticed in the last because I'm a big reader, in the last twenty years or so, people have um started using different points of view and you know you just have to title the chapter or something and I know that even like when I write fiction I write like um one character first person and I write another character um you know third person or things like that and it's okay to do that now and I think that yeah. that's really helpful to the writer don't you it is and I think writers should not be afraid of doing any of that. And I think that especially in the early stages, you just really can't censor yourself. Um, you don't know, speaking for myself, I don't know what's going to be like a diamond in the rough that I'm going to be able to go back in and polish up. So I don't want to be hesitant of doing any of those things. I don't want to be hesitant of breaking any rules. Um, right. However, you know, the other thing I do is that I have um, friends read my pieces, and then based on their feedback, I really do kind of get more of a sense of direction, and then I will go back and change things. But I'm really, I really, um, especially in the, like the idea generation stage, um, I don't want to do anything to limit myself. I don't want to be scared of anything. I don't want to write what I think people want to read. I want to write I want to find my vision, and I want to, you know, bring that to light. I don't want to be scared to write of anything, um, and okay. I do want yep. to take risks. I mean, I think if I'm not going to go bold and I'm not going to take risks and I'm not going to really push and challenge myself, then kind of what's the point? I mean, I could write, you know, kind of mundane things, but, I mean, I don't think that's – that's for me not is not what makes 
horror fiction or thriller fiction. I think that, and I'm just not that kind of writer, you know. So I'm going to always go big, and I never, I never shy away from that. Yeah, but those are the kinds of writers that I want to read, um, and I would imagine other people do because you know, who wants to read a book that just kind of leaves you flat because the writer left something on the table because they were afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and not to say that there aren't uh, sort of more simple stories with quiet moments. Oh, and sure. More, you know, introspective or whatever. And, you know, I've, I've even kind of dabbled in that sort of thing. Um, that's honestly not really what excites me. You know, what, ex- what excites mm-hmm. me is it really is what is beyond the other side of the human experience, you know, what is what is the kind of the, the darkest thing in the imagination that you know if you you know dig all the way down into your your reptile brain or something you know what are you really going to be scared of and what is really going to bring about that reaction in myself yeah. as a writer and in the reader and that's why horror and paranormal um, is always just so exciting for me I mean I just yeah. you know people look at me sometimes like you know this. You know, What's going on in that dude's brain? Yeah, there's like, <laughs> he's, nuts, he's nuts for this stuff. You know, but, but I really am. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, I'm just speaking honestly and open, openly from the heart right now. You know, that is what Good. gets me going as a writer, 100%. Yeah, you write what you want to read. And if you didn't write about things that excited you, the readers would know. I mean, I think that uh, I can sniff out an, a non-authentic writer and I put their books down. So that authenticity is big. So we were talking a little bit about how Chuck was saying he likes that um, character development. And I do too. But I think that that's why so many books translate to movies or television in a disappointing way, especially horror or action books, because you don't have, because you have the focus is on the horror and the action. So you don't have time for the character development. So a lot of times, I kind of feel like you don't even really give a crap if somebody's going to get hacked up with a chainsaw because exactly. they were never really developed. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, and it, you know, another example is really a pop culture phenomenon right now is um, The Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. And I have been a fan of The Walking Dead from day one. And really what Walking Dead does is put this group of characters, you know, that we've followed now for um, six years or however long it's been on, you know, it's put characters in very challenging situations. Uh, but really the way that the show has been successful, the, you know, the special effects are fantastic. I mean, um, I really like that it's, it's, it's a zombie flick, basically. I mean, I think it's, it's movie quality, absolutely. Um, the acting is, is stellar. You know, the writing, the source material of the graphic novel is, um, is, you know, just almost the best it could possibly be. Um, there's always a lot of questions left unanswered, and that's fine. But um, really, how, why it succeeds is because obviously the public has made a connection with these characters, and they care and they want to know what's going to happen. You know, and right. the other kind of big risk that that show takes is they're not afraid to kill off a major character, and. That's also in the graphic novel. I mean, that was one of the things of, um, you know, because that's been out now for quite a few years, like over 10 years or whatever. I'm not even exactly sure. But um, that was always kind of the shock as, whoa, you know, they killed off, you know, Shane or, you know, they killed off, um, you know, Rick's wife or things like that and, and, and didn't shy away from that. And that's really kind of a bold move because when you – 
kind of build up a following in a book or in, in the public or in a TV show or a movie or whatever it is, and that's shocking. You know, that's yeah. kind of not, not really been done before, and I think that that's also why that show has been um, so successful. So that's another kind of example for me of in the horror genre, um, you know, how they've, how they've been able to uh, just transform this into a phenomenon. I mean, it's like one of the most popular TV shows ever, you know, and the world now is, is saturated I mean, any movie you could ever want to see, you can go on Netflix, you know, you can go on video on demand and stuff, um, and yep. people tune in time and time and time again, and they're just, um, they're thrilled by it. it, it it's thrilling. Well, series television done well does give you that opportunity for character development and things, and that's actually why I find some of the new um, formats like they're doing with Hulu and Netflix exciting because you're even less limited than you are on series television because you're not limited by 15 minutes commercial, 10 minutes commercial, you know, plot A, plot B. And so um, I think that it's exciting that, that there are opportunities to do some of these things well outside of just your standard two hour slasher flick. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it can, it goes on into episode after episode after episode. Um, yeah. So, um, I really, I'm really hoping that um, horror is, you know, kind of making a renaissance right now. Um, there are quite a few um, more so horror authors that um, are, you know, I think that the, the success of some of these programs and movies uh, is bringing um, horror more into prominence. And that um, I hope that what Hollywood does with that is, um, you know, the, the writers will write the stories and be imaginative and creative. You know, what I hope is that Hollywood uh, takes a chance on them and then goes back to the days of when um, there was, you know, much more originality in movies. And, I mean, I understand that every movie is, um, is probably a financial risk, but, I mean, if there's so many great horror stories out there, then, you know, why not take a chance on those movies and come up with something truly original, you know, yeah. and um, not kind of recycle and remake over and over and over again. I understand why they do that, but um, for someone who loves horror as much as me, um, I'm always excited by the new and the fresh, you know, so I hope that that is, and, I, and I've seen a little bit of that, you know, recently, like, um, you know, the movie that came out recently, um, The Witch, you know, um, mm -hmm. was a disappointment in a way, but was also really exciting in a way because of what you know the the, uh, the director was able to do with that. So I hope that continues. Yeah. So Chad, we need to go to break. Um, but when we come back, I know that uh, another Chad has a question for you about H.P. Lovecraft, and I also want to talk to you about uh, one of the more popular horror television shows in recent times, which is American Horror Story. So stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We're talking to Chad Shimke, and we will be right back. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. You are a waste. 
a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas, then get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hello, this is Nolan Ethan, and you're listening to Aeronormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Good job, guys. We are back on MixLR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. We are talking with horror author Chad. Yeah, there you go. Da, 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 da. I like horror author better. I like I like the horror author better. But anyways, um, I digress. But uh, we have a question that we were holding off until we came back from break. Break from we're Chad. Back. We're back. From yeah, Chad. From one Chad to another Chad, I guess. Um, his question was, and I can't even. Oh, yeah. What about the writings of H.P. Lovecraft? What do you think about Who, that? Other other Chad yeah. loves Lovecraft. Yes. So. What do you think about? Yeah. What do you think about him? I, you know, I can't say that I can't say that he's my favorite. I mean, I do definitely admire um, his accomplishments as far as writing goes. Mm-hmm. Um, the myth of Tutlu is definitely a standout of his for me. Um, I, I guess, um, you know, again, it kind of goes back to those, and 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 you know, and also maybe I just haven't read enough of him to find the pieces that are really scary. I mean, I see more of, um, like, you know, kind of mystery, mythology, um, you know, like weird kind of freaky things that, hap- that are happening. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much, you know, scares for me, not so much like, um, you know, um, gore or fear or, um, you know, more of some of those kind of, you know, primal scares. Um, you know, ho- horror for me kind of break- breaks down in one of two categories. Um, in the one way, it's a conventional person, a villain who um, does horrible things, you know. So think of like maybe, um, you know, a, like a deranged killer or a, or a slasher or a serial killer, that type of horror. Um, the other type of horror that breaks, breaks down for me is um, in the other category is the horror that comes out of um, like kind of supernatural and paranormal and, like, otherworldly phenomenon, you know, so, like, um, that could be anything from a movie monster, that could be anything to, like, a vampire, um, that could be, um, you know, a zombie, of course, um, so things that are not kind of peopled as part of our world as it is right now, so it's, I guess, horror for me, it's, like, goes, um, you know, like, kind of more the realistic side, or the more, um, the, you know, the paranormal entity side, I guess, so that's mm-hmm. how I feel. Well, there's a, there's a question, and this kind of leads into what I wanted to ask you. Okay, so being a horror writer, um, what, what do you like? Do you like, like, you know, even in movies or writing, uh, are you more towards, you know, the chop them up slasher. horror shock slasher stuff, which, I mean, I like everything, but, I mean, yeah. or are you more into, like, um, the supernatural, the creepy, the... Uh, the uh, you know that kind of stuff. I mean, what what would you, what would you lean towards more if you you know as far as you go? I guess I like both a lot. Um, I definitely like um, you know 
kind of when it, you know, when it's crime, when it's thriller, when it's, um, you know, somebody who is just even a deranged killer. I mean, that really works for me. Um, mm-hmm. I like that. That's scary. That's enjoyable. Um, what I feel like, what I get to feel more proud of as more of like a triumph for a writer is when I can come up with a twist on a, you know, a supernatural or otherworldly like tale that yes. um, I've really created something new. And or I've taken something that exists already as like a, um, you know, um, kind of a convention of the genre and I put mm-hmm. a twist on it, you know, oh, okay. so like um, one of the one of the stories I wrote um, is, a, is a Halloween story. And um, actually, um, it's it, it got a lot of interest and it actually even now um, I just got asked about what I consider putting it in another in a, another anthology. And I'm not mm-hmm. against that. Um, but that's where I took. I did take the convention of Halloween and the convention of, you know, kids trick-or-treating. It's got that in it. But yes. it it took the idea and it really gave a whole different spin on it. So whenever I can do that, I feel really proud of that because I feel like I've created something really new and really different. Um, um, you know, that's kind of harder to do with it, like a, a slasher or serial killer type thing because um, it's hard to make that new. You know, it's kind of, I think, right. for the other. Um, yeah. So I, that excites me when I can, can make something new. Well, I think that I think that John Carpenter pulled it off well in his movie with Halloween, which I think is just the quintessential uh, movie because it yeah. is a slasher right. movie, but it is a supernatural movie also. And the fact that there's, if you look at it, no blood in it whatsoever, but yet right. is, is scary as hell. And it's yeah. such a slow buildup, and you're you're getting used to the characters, and then that, you know that character build and all that. I mean, it was a well meshed, um, you know, uh, of the two together. Great pacing. It starts off moody and slow. You know things are going to happen. Then you you know you see things start to happen. You don't exactly know where it's going to end up, and then it's like very climactic at the end. So that's that's good storytelling when it can build up to that point and, you know, you have, you have, um, and, you know, and maybe some co- sort of um, like sideline characters you don't care so much about, but the main character you do care about and it matters to you what happens in the end. And so yes. that's where it is. It is really the quintessential like edge of your seat horror movie where it's just very satisfying to me. So I, I love that actually. That's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, that's that that's my, my my favorite of all time. I remember seeing that in nineteen seventy eight. I'll date myself. Nineteen seventy eight yeah. at the theaters when it first came out, we went and when it was a bunch of guys and when we came out of the theater we were all like looking around all freaked out because it was just that <laughs> creepy. it was really that creepy. Yeah, me so. too. Me too. Um, I mean I, you know great. I I grew up as a child of the eighties and I saw it in the horror in theater too. And yeah. um, also, like, you know, the, the audience there and everyone like, oh, you know, what's yeah. going to happen yeah. next? You yeah, know, that, adds, that adds to it. So that's that's mm-hmm. another great part of it. No, I, so uh, I think. Oh, go no, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just well, saying. I, I wanted to ask about American Horror sure. Story. So if you wanted to add oh, follow yeah. on to your discussion. So American Horror Story seems to be fairly popular. Um, I watched like the first season. I didn't really watch uh, the others. Um but do you, have you watched that? And what do you think of that as far as horror storytelling? I watched the whole first season, and I have to say, I watched it when it came on the air that night. You know, I was there. I was all in. Um, I really liked how sort of the house took on it, uh, a life of its own in the story. Yeah, I, I liked was, the house. 
so successful. Um, I liked how through the different ages, like all the things that had happened in the house, um, I thought the acting was great. Um, I thought the kind of a light touch of not, you know, it was very Hollywood and very produced, but it was not like overproduced and, you know, just dazzling special effects all the time because I think actually that can, you know, that can take away from a movie or TV show and they mm-hmm. didn't do that. Um, it was really much less interesting to me every kind of season after that. Um, I forget which one, which season it was, maybe season three um, with, you know, the whole, um, you know, story arc about um, the witches and when, Stevie Nicks was on it, and yes. when Jessica Lange was on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That brought that back for me, and I actually really, I love that season. I, I did the same thing. I watched it because I kind of knew uh, they're, they're both, I really like them a lot. I like Stevie Nicks a lot. I like Jessica Lange a lot. I knew she'd be fantastic in it. So, and also, um, the, you know, the witches, and um, it wasn't a lot of kind of stereotypical cliche witches. It just was interesting to me. So both of those work for me. Um, less so with the others. You know, this, this last season, I know that um, the last season got a lot of, you know, praise, but um, I, wa- I think I watched about two or three of them, and then I just lost, it lost interest for me, and I stopped watching. So The last season was Freak Show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my son kept, keeps telling me I should watch that one, that he just loved it, and I, I just, it, I, I'm not interested. Well, there so. was Freak Show, which didn't interest me, and then there was Hotel, and oh. that was the one with um, Lady Gaga in it. And that got a lot of praise. It just fell flat for me. I don't know why it, I, I got turned off to it. I think I watched about two or three, and then I just kind of gave up. You know, So mm-hmm. some really successful and some a lot less so successful for me. So it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. So Cheryl had asked, uh, what did you think of the movie The Conjuring? Maybe middle of the road to a little bit mm-hmm. above that good. Okay. Uh, I like, I you know, I liked um, how they were, you know, researching the paranor- paranormal phenomenon. Yes. Um, that, for me, was interesting. Um, not really, was it really super scary? I don't know. I don't really think it was. I think it was mm-hmm. interesting and kind of science-y, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Did, Yeah, you know, movies, that's it. Movies have lost, and maybe it's because I'm a paranormal investigator. Maybe it's because I know the true stories behind a lot of these things, because we've talked to the people involved, like The Conjuring. Um, Andrea's been on our show, you know, uh, one of the Perron girls who grew up in the house and wrote the books. Um, Or like with, uh, what was the one with the Dybbuk box? Um, Oh, The Possession. The Possession, where we, Jason's been on the show so many times, the guy who owns the Dybbuk box, that it just, the movie didn't do it justice. But horror movies used to kind of freak me out. I mean, I remember getting a little scared at, like, Poltergeist, things like that when I was younger. And now they just don't do it for me anymore. I don't know if if it's, I I, I just don't know why, because those things, I used to love them, and now I just just kind of, eh. I think that um, it, Insidious, which also dealt with um, that aspect of like, um, you know, figuring out what was happening with, um, you know, uh, possession or with, uh, you know, like paranormal investigation was was much more successful for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do think that was actually scary. And I think that it was better, better kind of storytelling overall. I mean, there were more shocks, shocks and surprises. And with Conjuring, um, I wasn't really surprised by a whole lot that happened. Um, and, and I think that when that element of predictability is in there, 
then you're, you kind of, you know, if you can't really surprise your audience or your reader um, and they kind of can see everything coming, then that just it diminishes the impact, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I, I can't stand predictable writing. And, and maybe that's what it is about movies. Because, I mean, I liked, I liked The Exorcist. I used to like uh, the Omen movies like that. I thought they were Me really too. scary. And, and I just, I have not seen, and maybe I haven't attempted to, I don't know, but I have not seen a horror film that has made me feel that way in years. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk just off the movie subject, back to the writing subject. But I mean, so I like to, I'm just kind of curious, when did you first start writing as a, when you were a a child? I mean, what, what? What drew you into being a writer? Why did you want to be one? Well, um, you know, really, I was originally um, going to school as an English major, um, and I started just writing short stories um, for classes, and pretty much everything I would turn in, they would say things to me like, is this published? You know, do you want to get this published? This could be published, so on and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really do much of anything with that for kind of a long time. Um, and then, how long ago was that? Uh, probably in around two, uh, 2010, uh, or maybe a little bit before that. Um, I had, I was, so there was, so there was a reawakening of the writer in me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not quite sure what that, what happened, but actually it was a, um, you know, so um, I live in San Francisco now, and prior to that, I grew up in um, rural western New Mexico. And I don't know where the, where this came to me or kind of how the genesis of this happened, but um, I was either taking a walk, you know, taking a shower, I mean, falling asleep. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I had a really clear vision of um, a story about uh, a, a pot thief so an, a pot thief of an, of an Acoma, uh, near the Acoma Pueblo, uh, mm-hmm. a pot thief, and there's these lava flows and there's little caves and tunnels. And when the Acomas would uh, bury their, their uh, you know, their, their like tribal chieftains, um, they would like wrap them ceremonially and they would go, go as deep into the cave as they could and hide the body and hide the body with artifacts. And so I had just, it came to me really out of the blue, like almost like a lightning bolt or like a firefly or like a flash of inspiration. It just yeah. came above me and I had this image of a, a pot thief because these pots are sometimes thousands and thousands of years old. Um, they're so fragile. Most of the time when they're taken out of these caves, they're broken actually, which renders mm-hmm. them useless. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're, they're then just, you know, broke pieces of broken pot. Uh, but there's a hole then. So I had the image of the pot thief, and I kind of just followed that inspiration. And, um, you know, um, and there's, a, there's an underground black market of uh, selling, um, you know, uh, tribal ceremonial items. It's not legal to do this, but it happens. And so there's, like, underground uh, kind of vendors who are, like, fencing. I mean, these are stolen goods, really. And uh, they're, they're, you know, they belong to the tribe. So um, that was, that came to me like in about a three-second image. And I just knew, I don't know what it was, but I knew that I needed to turn that into a book. So then I followed that through, and that became my first book. And wow. then kind of each, each time, 
those same sorts of inspirations have come to me. And every mm-hmm. time I've gotten an inspiration like that, um, I've tried to turn each each one of those. Um, I, you know, I call them like fireflies. You never know when inspiration is going to hit you. So you better be able to you know, reach out your hand in the air and snatch that little firefly and put it in a jar and save it for later. You know, mm-hmm. not, every, not every brainstorm is going to come to light. It's not necessarily going to be a short story. It's not necessarily going to be a book. But um, really all my stories and books have come out of that same genesis. You know, so um, I had a really, I, I um, felt myself in that moment when I had the image of the pot thief, I felt myself drawn back to this very specific place, you know, in the lava flow, in a, in a you know, in a, um, you know, the, when the lava would flow, it would create air bubbles, so it creates all these little caves and tunnels. So, like, I literally found myself in that moment, and with the pot thief stealing the pot, and I knew I had to turn that into a book, and then really every other book or story has, has also kind of come to me in the same way. That's cool. Well, I have a question from... Um Bob, real quick, it's it's got kind of we're back to the movie just for a second, but uh, he said, "What do you think of horror comedy mix that has been done in the past? Like people like Vincent Price, Peter Lorre. Uh, do you like the mix of the two uh, genres together?" I'm most often less of of a fan of that. Um, what one of the ones I was a fan of um, was Shaun of the Dead. I thought yes. that was really inventive, oh, and yes. I thought that that really took a cool spin on the zombie genre. Um, mm-hmm. And it was very clearly, you know, kind of like relying on some of those zombie cliches and puns, but yeah. um, did something different. And I thought that um, also, I thought that, um, you know, the, the story was relatable and great, and I thought that the acting was relatable and great. So that would really work for me. I mean, there's, you know, some other examples that um, of some of those shows or movies that worked for me and some that kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cheryl mentioned Zombieland, which that's my daughter's favorite, so. Yeah, I like that too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I see that um, you're working on a, a short story collection called Horror yeah. Days. Is that correct? Okay. Now, I like I like short stories because I'm a when we were talking about Stephen King way before Night Shift, Richard Bachman. That's my favorite. Like Night Shift Collection yeah. was my favorite. Um, so. What are you What are you going to try to put together with this? I mean, without giving a, a ton away, but I mean, it's mostly done. Um, I, uh, publisher just expressed some interest interest to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not even completely done, so I maybe shouldn't really even. I don't know. Okay, know, that's knows? fine. You know, so that's... I should have maybe. Um, you know, there's there's probably a couple more tweaks I want to make to the individual pieces, but mm-hmm. um, each one has been. Completed. It's, they've all been workshopped. Um, I've finished edits on probably more than half of them. Probably, you know, six out of the ten. Uh, the ones that are remaining don't nearly have as many major changes um, to them as some of the other ones did. But um, mm-hmm. I always take my stories to uh, my critique group friends, and I, you know, I ask them to get feedback. Um, and and like I was saying, in the in the development stage, I'll basically do anything. I'll just kind of throw caution away. It's like you know, effort. I'm going to write any type of story I want, and not, you know, not be scared to do that. But um, once right. I get feedback, I will sometimes you know change some of the pieces. Um, so yeah. So um, 
we'll see how that goes. I, I get, I, I do have that. A publisher's reading that right now, actually. Right. Yeah, because I've seen so many other books like Pieces, uh, Picker, Weirder, uh, yeah. stuff like that. What I mean, out of all the ones you've written, what, what what's what, what's the what's your most favorite for you? I mean, what do you like? The, what do you what do you like the best of the ones you've done? No, uh, how do you have a favorite child? Come on. Come on, you got I got a favorite child. <laughs> I do have a favorite. Uh, my favorite is uh, my favorite is my novel Secrets. Um, is that out now? Is it out yet? It's, it's not out. So I've been working for quite some time with uh, Seven Windows Publications, and they recently went out of business. So the sad the sad thing of that is kind of losing that connection. I mean, the, the good thing about that is all sort of the development that went into it um, all reverted back to me. So I'm I'm looking to place that right now, you know. So I really want to find um, I, you know, kind of the, the same publisher that's reading the collection um, wanted to see that, and I guess I'm not opposed to that. But um, I'm really hoping to find the best possible spot for that because I think it is really um, a standout book, and I think that that could uh, like you know do a lot of good things for like my writing career. So yeah, um, I think I'd like to read that one. So I hope it comes out. That yeah, one sounds I, right up my. I like I like thrillers. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I'm noticing. I'm just looking at your bio here about your about the author bio. It says that you are um, active in the arts scene. Yeah, I often go to uh, gallery openings here in San Francisco, and so that's one of the things I like to do. Uh, I've been to many of them. Um, so, and I go to I go to a lot of art shows here. So I guess. Kind of socially, that's the thing I do. Um, some of it is more maybe kind of conventional, what you would think about art galleries. Um, some of it is more um, like kind of, you know, underground, graffiti-type art. I mean, I've been able to meet some fine artists here, and I've been able to meet some, some more, um, you know, artists who uh, could possibly get in trouble, you know, for stenciling in public places. Right, street and, artists, um, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh -huh. So um, there's a there's kind of a whole um, you know scene for that here, and um, that's something I like to do definitely. So I do you know I do like to um, support art and um, and kind of also kind of in the neighborhood I live in, uh, you know Valencia Street is pretty close to here, so um, that's that's an enjoyable thing for me. Hmm. Yeah, and you actually so it says you collaborate with an artist for your cover images. Is that a local artist there in? Um, San Francisco. I almost said San Diego. That would be. <laughs> yeah, he did. Solis did the cover for Weirder, um, and that's a story about a, be a bearded lady and a, and a traveling circus, and it's about her circus and what kind of what's the horrible thing that happens, <laughs> you know, at the end. So um, that that that's really I'm I'm you know proud of that book too. That book got a lot of interest. Um, it's a short book. It's not a full novel, but um, I really did get you know quite a lot of um, interest in that story, and that was also one of my earlier stories. So that you know, in some ways, kind of set the tone for me for um, you know wanting to uh, just be inventive and be creative. Yeah. So, do you see yourself branching out from the thriller and the horror, or do you feel like you're pretty pretty well situated there? I don't really see myself writing out, actually. I see myself writing more. Um, I don't, 
you know, I, 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 it inspires me. It really, and it really actually inspires me just about every day, you know. So um, it takes a long time to write a book, and it takes a long time to edit a book. And anyone who hasn't written a book uh, really has no idea how many probably tens and hundreds of hours you're going to be sitting there with the same material. So it better be something you really like and you're really into that you're not going to be bored by sort of revisiting over and over again. It's going to get stale very quick. I mean, you do need to be almost, um, you need to be driven, and you, it's like you need to be like a little bit obsessive compulsive too. You know, you literally need to be able to, you know, sit at your computer or sit in a coffee shop or wherever you're going to go and be willing to, you know, sit your ass down and work on a book for eight or ten, eight, eight, ten or twelve hours at a shot because that's kind of what it's going to take. I mean, it takes a long, long, long time. Well, and then when when the inspiration is flowing, you have to you have to do it. You can't exactly. not do it. Yeah, I know. I I when I write, I write probably twelve to eighteen hours a day when I'm working yeah. on a book. Yeah, because it's mean, just what you do. If that inspiration comes, you have to be able to drop everything you're doing and literally get it all down on paper because that's the other thing about inspiration is it's there in that moment. But it's ephemeral, think, oh, yeah. Well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Well, then it may be gone and, and it's hard yep. to get back to it sometimes. Yep. It can be a little hard on relationships, <laughs> being a writer. Yeah. I have starved my husband and children more than once. That's all I'm going to say. So, <laughs> I get it. All right. So let's see. Do you have anything else, Chuck, while I look Well, yeah. I, I, like, okay, so we, we talk horror and thriller, but what about sci-fi? What about, like, you know, X-Files style sci-fi, you know? You know, because you can have horror and sci-fi are kind of like a, they're kind of like a hand-in-hand hand sometimes, too, you know, where they kind of intermixed with each other. What, what, what about doing something in that realm? Thank you. And actually, um, sci-fi finds its way into my stories. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't call them straight sci-fi at all. But, okay. Um, a couple times um, I've placed the horror element in, and I go back to this in different ways, and I've gone back to this in more than once. I kind of place them in um, like a dystopian world. So mm -hmm. I, um, it doesn't seem to me like I'm not as interested in, it's almost like I'm interested in the dystopian world once they're like past that a little bit and things are just really barely starting to come together. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's a really interesting um, time because I think that um, if, if most of the world got wiped out, you know, uh, small bands of people would begin to cluster together. You know, it's, it's kind of also what's, what is sort of happening in Walking Dead. It's like um, bands of small groups come together and then form bigger and bigger networks. And then society itself, I mean, I think people will always rebound and will always come back. Uh -huh. um, and that, to me, is really interesting because I think that then um, it, re it makes me think of, um, you know, probably like how things were in, um, like, uh, in, in England and kind of in feudal times. You know, before mm -hmm. kind of before one king sort of unified the whole country, yeah. um, you'd have all of these little like kingdoms and fiefdoms, and they're all warring at each other. And I mean, what kind of better what kind of better time to place a story in? You know, when there's like literally danger in every corner. You know, so your neighbors 
two miles down the road are like, you know, plotting to crash your gates and, you know, they want to take all your food and they want to take yeah. all your horses and they're going to, you know, steal your gold coins and whatever. I mean, that's really prime for, you know, so I, so, um, I don't know that I, I, I guess unconsciously I do that, but, um, I think it's, it's a really prime, um, you know, like prime for interesting storytelling, but, um, mm-hmm. You know, you can put you can put the character in that situation, and then you know there's a lot of struggles they need to overcome, and um, that's just good storytelling for me. Cool. What degrees do you hold? I see three three advanced degrees from the College of Santa Fe and San Francisco State University. What are those? Yeah, I have a. Uh, I had originally been getting my BA in English, and so but I end up finishing my BA in secondary ed. And then I have one master's in special education and have another master's in education administration. Oh, wow. So, and so did you, you see you didn't follow off with the special education or anything? You didn't go into that or? Uh, no, I work in that field now actually. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. All righty. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. So, um, so, and then, so then the writing is like the side gig in other words. Oh, uh, you know, you know, definitely, but um, it, it, you know, I just uh, I first kind of pursued it over and over and over again. So it's, it's definitely, you know, an, an interest of mine. I mean, I guess you know, I can't say one just pays the bills because it's more interesting to me than that. You know, um, right? It is also another passion of mine. But yes. um, you know, probably if I could have my way, you know, I would be able to write full time. So let's. You know, hope that happens over these days. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, definitely. So, um, have you ever thought of writing? Um, you know, like you write books, novels. Have you ever thought about doing any screenplay writing, script writing, anything like that? That's, that's interesting to me. Um, I'm not sure. I think that um, I think that I can write a short story. I think I, I'm confident. In, well, let's put, let's put it this way: I'm confident in my ability that I can write a short story and a novel because I've done it before, and I can, I can, you know, guarantee I can either publish it myself or, you know, I can find somebody to publish it for me, because they've been mm-hmm. able to do that, too. Um, a screenplay would be a new thing for me, and I don't, I definitely don't rule it out. Um, I probably would like to do that one of these days. Yeah, I, I haven't done that yet, but um, I think some of the ideas I have um, do seem to be, like, kind of pretty cinematic to me. Um, right. So it would be cool. It would be really cool to see that happen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, that's I. Yeah, I like to. I like to write the screenplays. That's the thing I used to do when I was a kid. So that was more fun for me to do that. So that's cool. Yes, Very Karen? good. Uh, well, it's time. You know what <gasps> no! time it is. It is right? time for shameless self promotion. Oh, and since although Chuck couldn't find you on the internet, I understand oh. that other people can. So why well, don't you tell people where they can get your <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, please shamelessly self-promote. Okay. So um, the main place you can find me is on my blog, and that's chadshemke.blogspot.com. That's C-H-A-D-S-C-H-I-M-K-E.blogspot.com. When you get there, you'll see all of my other links. Um, I have an Amazon Author Central page, so if you just search for me on Amazon, Chad Shemke, C-H-A-D-S-C-H-I-M-K-E, you can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, 
Goodreads. Um, I've recently been getting into good um, book likes. Um, I do post on uh, Google Plus also. Um, if you're a fan of radio shows like this, I've actually done many at this point. Um, I've been on a couple. This is my second appearance on Paranormal Underground Radio. I've been on Common Sense Paranormal. I've been on um, No Boundaries Radio Show. I've been on some others I'm forgetting. Um, if you go to my blog and you click on the radio tag, you'll pull up all of them. Um, so I do fr uh, frequently post on my blog. I post a lot of great content. And so um, what I find is that viewers come back over and over again. I get about 10,000 hits on my blog a month. So check it out if you're into uh, paranormal, horror, if you're any into anything dookie, uh, spooky, dark, or scary, um, and you like that, then you will like my blog. So check it out. Very good. Chad, it's always fun to have you on. I mean, I know you were only on once before, but it was fun that time too. So, uh, you, you know, when, when Secrets comes out, would you let us know and come back? I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. Fantastic. All right. Thank you very much. It's been fun talking to you. Thanks, Chad. Okay. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. Good night. Okay. Have a good night. All right. Good night. All right, guys, Chad Chimke, um, fascinating guy, Clear, clearly has a passion for what he does, and people with a passion for what they do make the best guests, don't they, Chuck? Yes, they do, because they like to talk a lot, and they talk about all the cool stuff. And I like well, it. and they talk with interest and passion and yes. excitement about it, and no. I like that. It's, no, you know, it's awesome. he makes me, because I'm not, as you know, I'm, I'm not a huge horror fan, um, but I, 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 enjoyed talking to him and found him really interesting anyway so i know and there were like the horror movies were flying left and right on the the uh chat room tonight there they're all over the place cheryl in here. so oh no all right now now cheryl you've never seen the movie the uninvited with ray I, milan i have not seen it oh my god it's like one of the coolest I, ghost stories ever all right the, un the uninvited is it on oh, netflix the, it's uh probably it's uh from 1940 40s, I think. Oh, uh, I like black older. And white. I like black and older white. horror movies. It's so okay, cool okay. of a ghost story. You got I always, I always complain that that they just don't yeah. do anything for me. The ghost stories one, and movies. This one always screws me. Well. This one kind of it's very. But you're talking yeah. about the yeah, old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about old one. Old no, you have to look for okay. the old one. Right. Ray Milan is in it. It's, I think that's Ray Milan. Yeah. Um, it's just very spooky. Character driven, got a good plot to too, and it's very, it's a very interesting film. Um, yeah, mm. I like it. Is it a haunted story? It's probably my favorite of all time. So, I mean, I like the ghost, I like the ghost story too, with you know Fred Astaire and uh, all those guys too. That was another one that was a really great um, twist to the end of that one too. But yeah, this one's like my favorite. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna I think it just it. came out right. Yep, okay. you'll watch it. You'll like it. Yes. So there you go. There you go. I was like, well, no one knows what this is. Really? Oh, my God. And then Karen over here has got, like, cool misty stuff going on with purple and everything. I'm like, am I seeing, like, misty ghosts? What's going on over there? And she's like, no, it's my diffuser. Oh, I'm like, darn you mean it. on my camera? Oh, yeah, it's I like, have darn a darn diffuser going. I got all excited. And I'm my like, hair oh. is purple. I know. I know. It's like, and oh, I have God. purple hair, you know. So. There you go. That was exciting. It was exciting. I'm sorry that I disappointed okay. you, Chad. <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, I'm seeing smoke, and I'm like, what's that? And she's like, it's my diffuser. I'm like, oh, darn. Yeah. No, it's kind of add to the atmosphere, you know? 
What's that? Very atmospheric. And, you know, <laughs> the other thing is I love all of our guests who come on to talk about the paranormal and ghosts, but it's fun to talk about something else every once in a while, too. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting to talk to people like that. I, 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 I like talking to authors, too, uh, because most authors are pretty passionate about what they write. You know, you have to be. You have to be to sit down uh, and oops. write a book and put your put yourself on paper and then put it out there for people to read and critique. And yeah, it's you have to love it because otherwise, oh my god, uh, and, and, it would be and, terrifying. It's already terrifying. <laughs> and we all right. So you're an author, so you put something out there and people critique the poop out of it. How, mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? Do you care? Do you not care? I mean, does it is it aggravating? Is it? Because I mean, you put a lot of heart into it. When people say negative things about yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Um, not everybody's going to like everything I do. And, uh, you know, the the answer is that I actually try not to read my reviews. Okay. Um, just, it's, yeah, I, I try not to read my reviews. I, you know, you, you've seen part of my process because I, I send my book out to people that I trust to read mm -hmm. and get feedback from them. I know I sent um, the one that I'm working on now to you and Bob mm -hmm. Fountain got it. And I think Cheryl did too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, yeah, I, I try to, I, I actually won't go like the books that, um, especially like the cookbooks and things. Yes. Um, I won't read the Amazon reviews for those. Yeah. I Amazon just, is pretty, it's a heartless, it's a heartless area. Cause when I put my unless, movie on there, I was like, yeah, Oh my and God. The, and the, I mean, they're usually very, they're usually very well rated and that's great. But you know, every once in a while, somebody goes out of their way to find your email address to email you to tell you how much they hated your book. And that's oh a little difficult, God. but you know, yeah, like, I had, I had a guy, I had a guy email me to tell me how much he hated my book, uh, nutrition oh. facts, how much oh, he nice. hated it. And then he ended it by saying, maybe we can get together sometime. Yeah, count on it, buddy. <laughs> Way to sell it, buddy. Yeah. But I also discovered that he is, he's a guy looking for a publisher. And so he was trying, I mean, and that's not a great way to reach out to somebody to tell them how much smarter you are than them and how much better you could write their book than they would to get them to introduce you to their publisher. But that was what he was going for. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. So. Sugar coating would be a little bit better than uh, yeah, that. Well, you know, you, you just, so there's stuff. And, but I also get a lot of really nice where people seek me out and they say, um, you know, I have Hashimoto's and I followed your Hashimoto's plan and it's changed my life. And my kid calls me new mommy now. And so I, I appreciate those. And, and I do appreciate constructive criticism as well. It's just, it's, it's hard to take constructive criticism. You know that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, we have business. You say, Cheryl, do we have business? Business. 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 I have to tell you something I just saw on Facebook because I was that. Uh, uh, there's a picture of Anderson Cooper and it says, More sad news from the music industry. Kanye West is found alive in his apartment earlier today. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Anyway, all right. So Cheryl, business. Yeah, we ha always have business. Um, this business is extremely exciting. Next week, we do not have a show. Woo! No, no. Guess, where I, guess where I'm going to be. Guess where what? I'm going to be. Because Tanner gave me the wrong date for his concert. It's actually Tuesday that I'm going to his oh, concert. Okay. I know. We'll be at the Wheeler. <gasps> oh, nice. Nice. Yes. Guess where Chad and I are going to be next Thursday. 
you're going to be no. This isn't the California trip. This is uh, Nashville. No, Duran Duran. No, Duran Duran was last Friday. This is yeah, another concert in Knoxville. What is it? Breaking Benjamin Acoustic. Oh, those guys are awesome. Yeah. Those. I can't wait. Oh, acoustic too. That's acoustic. gonna be good. You guys are acoustic. quite. The, you guys are quite the people on the scene right oh, now. Look at yeah, you, we're, man. We're making waves. We're creating I, chaos. I'm, I'm not even going to no, add where I'm going to so be because I'm probably just sitting on my <laughs> chair doing nothing. You're the couple about town. The couple yeah. about Tennessee. Yes. There you go. Um, so so um, that is yeah. April 28th, 2016, if you're listening on podcast in the future. We're um, taking it off. Taking it off. Um, but this wow, that, wow. That means it's a very good time to go to our podcast on Podbean or iTunes. What a good idea, Cheryl. Yeah, Paranormal Underground, and you will listen to a bunch of our great shows if you so desire. If you miss us, you could spend your, you know, like, you could declare a national day of mourning next week that we're not on, and you could take the day off from work and spend the entire day listening to old Paranormal Underground podcasts just out of respect to us. Well, you know, I'll be around, so if you really need a little bit of live action in between, you just call me on the phone. I'll you say, hello, this is Paranormal on Radio in the Or you just, you just go go on Chuck E. G.'s Facebook page, honestly, and, you know? and there will be a selfie or two there. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'll do a couple yeah. selfies for you. I'll be like the Miss Me selfies. Do you miss there'll me? Be, you, there'll be pictures of Chuck just sitting there next to his microphone yeah. looking sad. I have a picture of Karen, like a cutout. <laughs> there you go i'll give you that there you go I you like that. do that okay so that's next week. that's next week we are off yeah uh-huh. and we will be back on may 5th um i'm just um i don't want to announce the guest because i'm just confirming so i don't i don't want to say but we will be around and then we're going to actually be off may 12th so we mm. will there's another good time to go to Podbean and listen to our show have another day off, have National Day, day of Morning. Yep, mm-hmm. and then uh, we have a couple of good shows uh, rounding out the end of May. So we will be back the 19th and the 26th. But Karen won't be here the 19th, but Chuck will be here. I will no, be I'm here. Going to go down, I'm going to go down and uh, tour, do a haunted tour with uh, White Light Paranormal, uh, mm-hmm. Seth Michaels' mm-hmm. team. Nice. We're going cool. to go. They do every, the third Thursday of every month. They do a tour of a place called Kenton Station. So Jim and I are going to go down to that. We've been wanting to do it for a while. So by gum, we're gonna do it. Well, that sounds like fun. I talked to Seth. Uh, I sent the message to him. I said I wanted to talk to him again and you know kind of vibe with him because I like vibe with Seth. He's cool. I like him. Seth is good people. Yes, yes and they is. were like so talking. he. They were so much fun last week. Yeah, was it yes, last they, week. Yeah, yeah it was last, last week. week. They were, they were all, and that Karen Anderson joined us again, too. They were just, it's, like I say, you know, I know you guys hear it all the time, and you're probably sick of hearing it, but we have such an amazing tribe of paranormal people out here, the paranormal I, community. I, I kind of felt fabulous. like the third wheel on that one. Cause it I know, of, I'm wasn't really sorry. part of the, I'm not really part of the clan, I'm sorry. Well, I'm again, I've told you how you can take care of that. <sighs> yes, we've but, had by several the way, talks. If our yes. listeners want to know what you guys are talking about, they can go to Podbean and actually listen to the show with Seth. <gasps> oh, listen to you. Very and good. And get, yeah, get, it's, it's, it's Seth, I mean, he's really interesting, like you said. And um, We have several podcasts with Seth. We do yeah. a couple podcasts with Seth. Um, he's a psychic medium. So go check out those podcasts and you'll be. He is, he is my psychic. Yeah, Seth is actually my psychic. 
Nice. Oh. I actually, that's who I go to for my psychic insight is Seth. Gotcha. I don't really per se have a psychic, I guess. I ask all sorts of people, but I don't have a, a psychic. I actually pay him to be my psychic. I actually, well, yeah. Go. Yeah, I am his client. So Nice. Yeah, they make good money off me because Jill does my hair and Seth does my psychic stuff. We're good. <laughs> Bob says, uh, Chucky, Chuck is the selfie king. Well, I've kind of like dropped down from that rank. He now, has so. calmed down. He has calmed down a little bit, Bob. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's, I just like to share coming. the love of life with all my peeps. That's all. That's all it is. I'm just sharing my life with my peeps. It's, it's a picture. And here's me today. I look exactly the same as I did yesterday, except that my sleeveless shirt is green, and yesterday it was yeah. blue. Yeah. And I have a, I have a different face, and I'm smiling, or I'm, I'm, I'm pointing, or I'm, you know, I'm doing all sorts <laughs> of cool point, stuff. Yeah, pointing. that's true. The pointing is. I'm at the gym. I'm working out. I'm eating at the restaurant. Come on. There's lots of other stuff, too. Let's be real, okay? Let's be real about this, all right? Thank you very much. You know, I think you should be on Snapchat because Snapchat is like all selfies all the time. Oh, I'm on Snapchat. Don't worry. Instagram, <laughs> Snapchat, I'm on all those. Don't you worry. I don't I, I don't Snapchat. You know, it's funny. Selfies have been around since like the 1800s. Self-portraits, selfies. Yeah, they've been around since a long, long time. They just call them selfies now, but someone's like, well, you know, selfies been around a long time. I'm like, really? I looked about, yeah, 1800 self-portraits. Yep, they were just a big deal, so. Vincent Van Gogh used to paint self-portraits. There you go. Well, I'm not chopping my ear off or anything. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. No. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Maybe. Well, maybe, yes. I mean, I, no, you, I, I tend to think of selfies as more of a millennial thing. Oh, Okay. Right, whatever. You know, because my kid takes selfies and his friends all take selfies. And yeah, Jim and I, every once in a while, we'll take a selfie and we'll look at it and we'll be like, nope, we're not showing anybody that. Because <laughs> we just look like two nerdy people who can't position a camera to take a good picture. <laughs> it's true. Hey, Karen. There you go, Karen. Look, yeah. at, look at Bob's comment. Yeah, look at Bob just said. Karen should get a sleeveless shirt and a tattoo like Chuck so they would look the same. You think that that's all I need to look like Chuck? Really? Really? <laughs> How about like like I'm almost a foot shorter than him? Yeah. I'll start there. Um, yep. He has uh, white hair and I have brown hair. He has facial hair and, and I pluck mine. <laughs> I know. I, I need And I need bigger boobs if I want to be like Karen. So He doesn't you know. have boobs. That's right. I have no and boobs. What color are your Pets. eyes? He I'm has brown. glasses. I don't. Mine are brown, brown too. Hey, there you go. We have the same color eyes. There and I do, oh, yeah. Bob, I do have three tattoos. Yeah, They're just very go. tiny little tasteful tattoos. Mm. And Chuck does not have purple hair. No, I don't have purple hair. I wouldn't mind having purple hair, but I don't have Well, then why don't you go get some? That's right. I bought a purple hat. I'll be wearing my purple <laughs> hat soon. You'll be seeing selfies with oh that. Oh, my gosh. I just Jim, and I were, Jim and I were shopping somewhere. I can't even remember where. And there was this poor kid who was a clerk. And he had really short hair. And you could tell he had just dyed his hair purple and done it very badly because it was all over the side of his face. This was a checkout kid that was working. And it was all down the back of his neck. And he, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, said to, I said to Jim, and that okay. is why I, I pay somebody to make my hair purple. <laughs> That poor kid. I think I I, I I just take the gray. I mean, I could just do all purple, but they wouldn't let me come to work. Then they'd kick me out. You, you can't. They have, would kick you uh, out for purple hair. Yeah, you can't have. You can't do that at my work. I'm mean, my job. I mean, I'm lucky. I get my my tattoo on my forearm. You know, because this one's covered by my shirt. But this one here, like it, it, Office Max, used to be pretty, you know, stringent about that. But I seem to have 
gotten away with it. So you know, it's, I'm you know, in my in my yoga and Nia classes, and probably mm-hmm. now in my belly dancing class too, um, there's I, there's like almost no women in the class who don't have tattoos. There's one or two women without tattoos, and everybody else has them. And really, you know, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, that's cool. I like tattoos. It's just it's just another form of art. That's all. Yeah. Good. Yes, yeah, Tanner's, tan- well, the place that I get my tattoos here in town is going out of business at the end of the month, so, um, but like I say, I don't get a lot, I've only gotten three. Yeah, I, I need and another one. And they're all tiny. Yeah, I need another one right here on my shoulder, so I'm gonna, I gotta be looking for someone to do that. I, I a long time ago, sent something to somebody, I won't mention names, to do one on my left forearm, but they never got back to me, so I'm like, I guess they don't want my business, so, you know. Um, my tattoos when you were out here didn't I I can't even remember when I got them uh, I think I got them in think, the summer I think I, think okay. I had two I think I had two of them you showed me one of them I can't remember which yeah, one yeah so I had two of them then because I got two at the same time and then I got one um, at Christmas time gotcha yeah. okay no, yes. still working on mine Cheryl got any tattoos I do not do you have you any don't? interest in getting tattoos Cheryl um, Chad and I have talked about it yeah. I don't know. Does don't Chad know. does Chad have tattoos? No, he does not. If wow. you got a tattoo, what kind of tattoo would you get if you could have a tattoo? Do you have anything? I would I would get either one Tinkerbell or two uh-huh. a butterfly. Oh, what? right over your right over your butt crack, like a tramp stamp. Oh my god. <laughs> no, probably not. Now we've gone to the dark side. <laughs> I have a tramp stamp, but it's not a butterfly, it's a, a daisy. I think, you know, if you're talking butt cracks, Cheryl should have, like, the, the parent of underground, you know, the keyhole thing. Tinkerbell or a butterfly? <laughs> I think I think Tinkerbell. I like Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, that's Yeah. Good. Yeah, mm-hmm. so what would Chad get, or would he... What was the yeah, one you were going to get, a tattoo? We're waiting for Oh, his. two yin-yang tigers on the middle of his back. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. See, now, Cheryl, you could go for the full back tat. Here's, here's oh. what I've discovered. No. The the whole secret at our age, um, and I'm a little older than you, yeah. of getting tats is that you get them in places that aren't going to wrinkle. So mine are on my wrists yeah. or on my low back or like on your ankle places that are less likely to get all saggy or something. Yes. So yeah. of the three places I've had mine, the lower back was the least painful by oh. Lower back. All right. Good tip. By far the least hmm. painful. And mine is mid-low back, but you could just get it over one butt cheek. It'd be super cute. There you go. Oh, my God. Did you see what Bob just posted? He says, no tattoos in East Tennessee. You'll have to remove a few teeth to fit in. Oh, Is that what Bob, he just said? Oh, Bob. I doubt they have Tinkerbell tattoos there, Bob. Doesn't Bob have tattoos? Yeah. Bob, do you have a Tinkerbell tattoo? Huh? Bob is not in East Tennessee, you see. He's taking a jab at East Tennessee. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bob, Bob is in West Tennessee. Jim does not have any tattoos either. He is not a tattoo guy, although he told me oh. that he loves me enough that he would get my name tattooed on him. I said, well, I would never ask you to. He says, that's why I would do it. There you sense. go. <laughs> oh, my God. Look Tanner, at Tanner has Tanner has tattoos, and, and he just basically, because he's going to be a teacher, he, he basically has plans for everything not covered by a shirt or sleeves to be tattooed. <laughs> so. Bob has a, a Snoopy tattoo. Uh, oh, and with that, it's time to go, guys. Yes, it is. So we will not be here next week. We will be back in two weeks. 
6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in other states, 8 p.m. where Chuck lives. Uh, almost forgot that, didn't I, Chuck? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. You guys have a good couple of weeks. Good night. Night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.